Hello, all. I am back with another episode of my podcast. How's everyone doing? I've been doing good. <laughs> I just want you to know that. I think moving to Montreal really helped me with my mental health. Yeah. Also, this fall, this autumn, is not. It's not giving. It's not giving. It's not giving fall. This is like a second summer. Well, it's very very nice weather. Um, it's so alarming and concerning on how hot the planet has become. Well, in this episode, I'll be conceptualizing my understanding of veganism, and I mean that by white veganism. I'm calling it white veganism, but it, what I'm actually referring to, is this middle class white people as Primary practitioners of veganism. I have no issue with people who are vegan. I'm just deeply troubled by the promotion of universalized veganism to quote unquote save the environment. They always sound like, you know, we're advocating for better environmental futures by by promoting universal veganism. Like what? Uh, universal. Mm, there's no universal diet. That's just neo-colonialism. There's no one-size-fits-all diet plan. Um, plus, vegan food is not cheap. And one thing I've been noticing is how there's this very interesting thing in like grocery store, which is like chain of production. It's the substitution of meat product, plant-based sausage, plant-based burger. Sometimes some of them taste great, and if you go to like a vegan restaurant, um, there will be circumstances where you try out like a dish, and then some of them straight up taste like meat. I was impressed, but listen, why would it have to taste like meat? Is this so that vegan beginners can join the club easier? I think the idea of Substituting meat still operates within the meat-eating logic. That's because we still live in a, in social conditions where animal abuse and cruelty happen. But just eating meat substitutes for higher prices instead of meat, um, it does not take governmental subsidi- subsidization and bigger structural factors into consideration. Uh, the Canadian government subsidized. One point nine billion uh, to twenty two of the twenty two of the largest argue agricultural business. This info is available on Agriculture Canada's website. Obviously, Canada is not the only country that's doing that, but it's it's so heavily tied to consumerism. You know, oh, you feel guilty and bad because how these. Industries are destroying the environment and abusing the animals with so much carbon emission. Try this: a more ethical and organic version of the same thing, except more expensive. Well, guess what? Your government probably funds it because it gets capital. It accumulates capital, and it gets people jobs. It's not. It's not because of the workers, though. Obviously, they need to pay the bills. 
is because how these industries have grown to be profit maximizing sites. We have an abundance of food, too much food that we can feed everybody, but big corporations and grocery companies would rather throw them away instead of giving them to people who are like in need of them, who are hungry. The logic of profit maximization creates and amplifies animal cruelty. It's animal cruelty not because chickens are getting slaughtered, but how they're being slaughtered quote-unquote productively, without necessary care, imprisoned, becoming absolutely nothing but machines for generating profits for the capital. Honestly, I don't know if humans are like any different than this, but animals and humans are interconnected through the shared exploitation done by capitalism due to its need to forever expand itself to extend itself as far-reaching as possible. So for me, changing your diet to like a vegan one, which is very expensive if you buy substitutes of like vegan cheese instead of, che- instead of like cheese. Um, but I guess it depends. It depends. Being based protein is actually not expensive. Um, but you know, I have no idea why would vegan cheese and dairy product well, like vegan diary product be this expensive it's like this is it's giving op- opposing the content and the form of eating anything animal related but not questioning the material infrastructural mass production that allows cruelty to happen because capitalism needs exploitation to sustain so is it really about the environment i think it's to do with ethics less guilt for consumption on an individual level but here's my point guilt as politics is very ineffective and it's not sustainable you cannot push actions to disrupt the current social economic structure if you're just making if you're just making people feel guilty about themselves let's say you shame someone for consuming milk and meat excessively where does that lead us? It should never be about if people use plastic bags, but about who owns the goddamn capital, aka social power, aka economic power. Um, how are capitals being circulated and kept by who? How do institutions and corporations manipulate the fear of unethical consumption to s- sell you things? And which Places do they distribute the waste of, like, human waste and animal waste? The global south. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, oh, there's no ethical consumption under capitalism, so do whatever the fuck you want. No, we should try to consume consciously, but we just have to know that, you know, human and animal produced waste and, you know, how the waste circulates is ideologically relevant. Yeah, I think people are starting to realize that the biggest polluters in the planet are the militaries, the American military, for example. (laughs) Um, But we saw, you know, a few documentaries and we were so convinced that plastic straws in the ocean are the worst thing ever. 
these documentaries are so heavily funded compared to other narratives about environmentalism to redirect attention. Do you think drone strikes and constant bombing of regions and making soil never fertile again and changing the region's weather conditions permanently not worse? <laughs> I think the focus of environmentalism is so it's so centered around savior complex. I am so convinced that militaries and corporations and media, mass media, collectively work together to fund and produce these documentaries so they can make banning plastic plastic straws uh, the priorities, you know? So people would stop giving a fuck about humans starving and dying because of environmental apartheid. The environmental damage done by imperialist nations in the, in the polar imperialist world often result in devastations in the global south, you know? The colonial undertone of a universal, perfect solution for environmental devastation by not consuming any animal product is weird. <laughs> Very weird. I think we need to work a little harder than just changing our diets too. It also just reminds me of how people express superiority that somehow, oh, we have the best diet or the best cuisine while other cuisines are less desirable compared to like the hegemonic mode of eating and diet, you know? So many people, actually, like, I have so much to say about diet and cuisine and, like, culture. <laughs> like, food is not neutral or fixated. So many people have double standards for, like, oily food or what they consider to be, like, oily. Um, oh, Chinese food is too oily when, like, absolutely no one bats an eye when people put, like, five cubes of butter Plus, like, plus olive oil when they're, like, baking or cooking. And then people would talk shit about people using animal fat to cook. It's literally just saturated fat. They're not healthy, but not everyone can afford healthy food or fancy-ass, super expensive olive oil, you know? They want the food to smell good and more filling for their stomach. There's absolutely nothing wrong with trying to be more healthy. What people eat, it's just that what people eat is culturally relevant. And ethics are not universally or historically applicable to everyone, every community. I remembered people think that like, oh, the Chinese would eat anything, everything, uh, chicken feet and pig feet. Uh, okay, so... How do you deal with chicken after taking out the breast and the legs, perhaps the wings? Do you just like throw the rest of the body away into trash? Or do you think it would be nice actually to eat the rest, rest of the parts to avoid more waste? And they taste pretty good, you know? I think it's about the domination on 
the sites of knowledge production. It encourages people to think about environmentalism in a totalized narrative. The global south, the oriental, the indigenous practices of food are deemed barbaric under this framework. Um, but I guess now it's also considered somewhat exotic and little fun alternative food scenes. But yeah, you know what Anthony Bourdain said about Chinese restaurant syndrome? You know what causes Chinese restaurant syndrome? Racism. Bam. A punchline right there. I'm not done yet with <laughs> ranting. I think being a vegan, or I should say having a guiltless and healthy lifestyle is a privilege. Not everyone has access to the material wealth to be able to afford vegan restaurants as their to-go spots for food. McDonald's, McDonald's isn't good for your house, but they're cheap. They're cheap compared to other healthier options. You have to pay more for healthier options, unfortunately. And to be honest, having healthy food and having the time and resources to, for healthier alternatives is nice. You know, it's really good for you. Like, it's good for your mental health, it's good for your physical health, but it's not something everyone can afford. People are making livings on minimum wages, and how do you expect them to always do that, you know? It's really about class, I think. Working class people have always practiced vegetarianism or like other forms of veganism because of beliefs or just because meat can be very expensive. But, you know, they were being laughed at, just poor and barbaric and peasant. Um, Going healthy and having an active lifestyle is like the trend of middle class aesthetic now. The middle class aesthetic is contextual. You know, being skinny and healthy or muscular and active, it has not always been the middle class aesthetic. White people, white people fucking love to get tanned. (laughs) But while white people want to get tanned, majority of the people from the global south wants to be more white or like have lighter skin. Uh, what else? Ripped clothes became popularized literally when like people who are more financially well off copied houseless people thinking, oh, it's cute that they're wearing like ripped jeans and stuff. Did these kind of appeals for middle class aesthetic? It's very like the appeal is very strong because it just feels so bougie, so right. Fried food used to be considered uh, a luxury because oil were expensive. As a consequence, the beauty standard under these forms of aesthetic is also never fixated. The beauty standard for women and like girls were not skinny or, you know, like a few hundred years ago. Having belly fat and like moderate body fat used to be considered very sexy, you know, and I think the obsession with like uh, 
um, like having no belly fat or just like low body fat. It's uh, it's fucking weird, you know. And it reminds me when I first like got to Canada when I first arrived, like the first month, I'd say. I was surprised that lots of people work out here. Like it's a culture almost, like a workout culture, like an active lifestyle culture. And I think a lot of guys do it for the physique, but still, um, I got people saying in the gym, saying I'm too skinny, have no muscle, um, looks like I'm sick. Um, But like, why do you think everyone else on earth operates the same as like those in Canada? You know, I didn't, it was not a culture to work out when I was growing up in China. Like people don't do that. People didn't do that. People started doing that now. You know, people are working exploitative jobs, getting their surplus value stolen, barely makes a living on the edge of mental breakdowns in the global south and in the global north. These, like, people do not have time to spend time on lifting and wanting to, like, have heavier weights. It's not about, like, people being lazy. It's when you finish a long day of work and you really just want to fucking, like, rest, okay? Like, do you actually tell people they should work out more for their house? Or are you saying these to them just to make yourself feel somehow superior because of your own, like, money capital as well as beauty capital? Beauty capital in this sense just means normative beauty standards. And I'm not excluding myself in this statement. I do own some beauty capitals. I am skinny. And I'm East Asian and I'm, like, really light-skinned. But it really is just that, like, not everyone can afford this kind of active lifestyle of house and longevity under different social and material conditions. This is what I have issues with how people conceptualize environmentalism in the most imperialist way possible. Everyone must act in accordance to a universal code of conduct, a universal standard. We must have homogenized aesthetics and fashion because it's safe, it's neutral. And there should be only one canonical approach to understand health, science, body, and environment with very with hostility for alternative understandings of environmentalism. You know, we need to understand in 2023 why veganism is not something neutral, undisputed. It's not the most scientific way of approaching sustainability and environmentalism. It's a contested political and social apparatus that it, that is closely tied to elitism. Promoting universal veganism on a global scale as some mystical, perfect solution to climate change and environmental devastation without properly contextualizing and radically mobilizing and redistributing resources, it just simply becomes eco-fascism. Yeah, anyways, I think that kind of wraps up what I have to say. 
I definitely think I have a lot more to say about diet, elitism, superiority complex, and other stuff. Uh, yeah, I hope everyone can have access to food and shelter. I hope human and animal waste can be reduced and properly managed so we get to live harmoniously with nature. Actually, I think now that like a lot of workers are in urban areas, more and more people are trying to spend time in nature as retrieves. But then even that has barriers for people who's isolated and exhausted from work. You know, like, or for people who don't have access to a car. Okay, I think I just have the top. I just had the topic for the next episode. I'm gonna talk about private car, private cars. Words cannot describe my resentment for the car-centric infrastructure that people must own and get behind big metal machines that propel at deadly speeds. Just so folks can meet their basic needs, or just so they can get like some access to nature, to like a hike or something, you know. Anyways, see you next time.、Um, if you like this podcast, feel free to share it with your friends. Okay, bye.